Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we're the Minimalists. What if there was a minimalism checklist that helped you live a simpler life? Finally. Well, we found one. <laughs> And that's what we're talking about today on this public edition of The Minimalist Podcast. Then this Thursday on The Minimalist Private Podcast, Ryan and I are going to record an entire episode about one of my favorite subjects, minimalist architecture. You can check that out at patreon.com slash theminimalists or click the link in the description. Your support keeps our podcast and YouTube channel 100% advertisement free. Ryan, before we get to our questions today, I wanted to pull up this minimalism checklist, and then I'll read some of it to you here. This is from our friend Joshua Becker's website, becomingminimalist.com. It's a guest post from Melissa Wilkins. And Melissa has this checklist of becoming a minimalist. Mm. And so when you want to seek minimalism, if you're thinking about becoming a minimalist, what is what are some of the things to consider? So. Yeah. I'm not going to read the entire article. We'll put a link to it in the show notes so mm-hmm. you can follow along if you'd like. You can read the entire thing. But this is the minimalism checklist that she put together. Number one, Ryan, what is your why? Mm, or how might your life look better with less? Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. In fact, so Ryan and I often, when people ask, we're doing media interviews or whatever, where do we start? And people often think, well, we you start in your attic or your garage or your right. basement, whatever. Right. And those things can all be helpful, but really starting with the why. Mm -hmm. How might your life be better with less? Asking that question Mm -hmm. helps you uncover the purpose behind simplifying. Yeah. Number two on the list here is start with easy. Hmm. I really screwed this one up, Ryan. Yeah, me too. I could have done so much better if I started with the easy stuff. (laughs) But instead... I started with the most difficult things. What are the most difficult things... Well, I mean, in your case, it would be your uh, mother's things who had just passed. Yeah, sentimental items. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't even know about minimalism at the time. Oh, Jordan, can we start our timer over here, by the way? Thank you. Um, I didn't know about minimalism at the time. I started simplifying my mom's stuff when she passed. Mm -hmm. And that was not easy at all. Yeah, I looked around all her things and I wanted to cling To all of it, because it was all sentimental to me. But of course, if everything is sentimental, then nothing is sentimental. Right. And as much as we want to cling, what are we doing? We're just putting, as our friend Dr. John Deloney says, we're sort of just putting bricks in our backpack. And Mm. it's almost like I went down to Florida to deal with my mom's stuff to really just grab all of the bricks that she had accumulated over her life Mm -hmm. and bring them back into my life. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't start with the easy stuff either. I mean, I packed up my entire house. Yeah. that I mean, the packing party was crazy. <laughs> but you know what, though? When you kind of came up with that idea, um, I knew that it was going to help me change my state. And well, like, Hold on, real quick. Go Ryan. for it. I didn't come up with the idea completely. I came up with half the idea. I came up with the packing part. <laughs> yes, and I came up with the party part. Yes. I was uh, mimicking Colin Wright's uh, breakup party. That's right. Um, but yeah, man, I mean... Uh, that almost was the, it was the easy way to change my state 
or it was maybe the simple, maybe that's the way of looking at it. It was a simple way to change my state, but it was not easy. I mean, it took us 10 hours to like pack everything up and unpacking was kind of a pain in the butt. Um, I wish I could say, I mean, I knew what was in the boxes. Everything was marked real nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were just kind of like all stacked in a cube and digging for things was kind of a pain in the butt. But yeah, ultimately it worked out. We wrote about it and here we are 11 years later, almost. I think it's almost 13 years later. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. 12 years later, I guess. You're so old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not if you're watching the YouTube version. Thankfully, Alston and Jordan are color correcting this whole episode. They put the de-aging filter on you? Yeah, yeah. It's a giant <laughs> Instagram filter. Oh, my We're goodness. We're basically catfishing you if you're watching the YouTube version. Some of those filters are crazy. I bet you could find a de-aging filter anyway. That would look insane. Well, didn't they do that in one of those uh, the yeah. Scorsese film, The yeah. Irishman? Yeah, The it, Irishman. Yeah. It looked like an Instagram filter throughout the film. Yes, it did. Anyway, starting with the easy, one way to do that is the 30-day minimalism game. Yeah. Which was sort of an amalgamation of what you did and what I did when I simplified my life. When I simplified my life, it was, what if I get rid of one item, just one, Mm -hmm. each day for a month? What would happen? Mm. Well, I end up getting rid of way more than 30 items because Mm. you get that momentum. You have to start with something easy. Just find anything. And then your packing party was a bit extreme. So it was like, how do we meet in the middle here? And the 30-day minimalism game was the way to do that. So you partner up with a friend, a family member, a coworker, beginning of the month, you make a bet. You bet a dollar or a million (laughs) dollars or anything else you want to bet. And you decide, hey, over the month, we're going to get rid of some stuff. First day of the month, we each get rid of one item. Second day of the month, we each get rid of two items. It starts off really easy. But by the middle of the month, for me, it started to get difficult around day 12. Every time I've played it, it's like, "Uh uh-oh, a dozen things a day and then... A baker's dozen tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. No, Mariah and I are playing it this month. And like, yeah, today's day 16. And like started getting hard around, yeah, day 14 or 15 where it's like, oh no, now I got to, I got to, yeah. Anyway, so I don't know if we're going to make it to the end of the month, but it definitely gets difficult around that time for sure. Well, we'll we'll see who wins. And then Mm -hmm. I'm sure I don't, Mariah, if she wins, yeah, I guess you have to like streak around the neighborhood (laughs) nude. (laughs) We're playing together. Oh, so you both have to go around the neighborhood. We're, just, we're playing against ourselves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Make sure you film that, Danny. We'll <laughs> It'll put be it on our OnlyFans. Oh, well, yeah. I was going to say TikTok, but all right. <laughs> anyway, if you want to download our free minimalism game calendar, you can see all the rules and the terms and conditions. Just kidding. There are no terms or conditions. It's free to play, but you can download the free minimalism game calendar over at theminimalists.com slash game. Number three on the minimalism checklist, Ryan, is separate wants and needs. Now, you and I would call this junk and essentials. I would add one other category in there, non-essentials. Yeah. So the other way I would look at that is need, want, and like. Right. Or essential, non-essential, but value adding, Mm -hmm. and junk. Yeah. So in our minimalist rule book, which you can download for free at theminimalists.com slash rule book, we have 16 rules for living with less. One of them is the no junk rule. Mm-hmm. And the no junk rule says everything you own, even if you own 100,000 items, a million items, everything you own or everything you're thinking about owning can fit into one of three piles. Yeah. It's either essential, it's non-essential, but adds value to your life, Mm -hmm. or it is junk. Yeah. The problem with this is too often we think we need something, but it's just a want. Yeah. Or even worse, yeah, I kind of liked it once upon a time. But now it's getting in the way. Yeah. Well, if something gets in the way, it is clutter. And our ability to let go is what enables us to move forward with the things that are necessary. Mm-hmm. Now, she does have one line at the end of this, this one here. 
separating wants from needs. She says, needs have to stay. You get to choose about the wants. Mm. And so what I would say is even the needs, you can consider removing them sure. from your life. Yeah. Because temporarily depriving yourself of something might teach you that you actually don't need it at all. Yeah. Number, yeah. number four on the checklist is look for the joy. A good rule of thumb is to keep things you know to be useful or believe to be useful. In the words of William Morris, if you want a golden rule that will fit everything, this is it. Have nothing in your houses that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. Mm. I think that's great, especially when we talk about minimalist architecture. We're going to talk about this on the Maximal episode this week, Ryan. We're going to talk about the eight elements that really go into minimalist design. Mm -hmm. And that encompasses it fairly well. Yeah, And quite often, it's beautiful through subtraction. The bones are the beauty of simplicity. Mm. Number five on the minimalist checklist is clear your schedule. We often don't think about calendar clutter, but one of the ways we fill up our lives with unnecessary stress and anxiety is through cluttering our calendars. Mm. Sure, we've got a lot of physical clutter in our homes, our cars, our offices, our garages, our attics, our basements, our storage lockers. Yeah. But then we also start cluttering our calendar with meetings and appointments. And none, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Nothing wrong with material possessions. Just like there's nothing wrong with meeting with friends, family, businesses, coworkers, whatever. Mm -hmm. But when we're constantly filling up our calendar, it's because we're, well, we feel that we need to do more in order to be fulfilled. Yeah. yeah that rarely works. That's why I, yeah, that's why I got interested in minimalism. I wanted my time back. And uh, so, yeah, that's a great step. That's, uh, that's something that I was able to achieve. Like, I remember you know, selling my, uh, my condo and getting rid of my car payment. I was like, oh, wow. Like I could start clearing my calendar now. Cause I don't need to work this crazy job, these crazy hours to pay for all these debt payments. Yeah. Now recently you, you talked to me about some calendar clutter you were having. Mm. You had missed an appointment or two. Yeah. And you mm. realized like, well, wait a minute, maybe I need to restructure this a bit. You want to talk mm. about that at all? Uh, I don't know what they're really to talk about, except yeah, I, I had this week where I was, um, committing to certain things and totally just slipped my mind. Like uh, after five o'clock, uh -huh. my brain says, Hey man, you don't have to do much right now. Like, you know, just like you're on, you're in coast mode right now. Like it's towards the end of the day. All you got to worry about is eating and getting ready for bed, hanging out with Mariah. Yeah. Um, but like we're, you know, one, one of the things I forgot, I'm sitting there and uh, Mariah's like, Oh my God, we're supposed to meet so-and-so at Top Golf." So she forgot too. Yeah, she forgot too. We we are um we are dilly and dally. I don't know which one's which, but uh but yeah we we uh God love us. But yeah, we both forgot, and I'm like, and I feel like such a jerk, man. Like I call my friend, like I'm so sorry we forgot. I'm, I'm on my way. I'm gonna be about five minutes late. They were like, no, we'll just we'll just plan another time. I'm like, all right, like fair enough, like that's fine. Um. But yeah, so what I've had to do, I mean, as far as restructuring goes, I got to set an alarm for things. I did this yesterday. I had a meeting at five o'clock. Um, as soon as I got up in the morning, I checked my calendar. I always do this. I check my calendar. That was what was helping me prevent things, uh, missing things um, by checking my calendar. But now apparently, if there's anything at 5 p.m. or after, I have to set an alarm. So I get up, I check my calendar. If I have an appointment at 5 p.m. or after, I set my alarm for like 4.30 or whenever I need to leave or whenever I need to think about leaving. 
Um, yeah, so that that it was great because that you know yesterday that alarm went off at four thirty. I'm like, oh yeah, I got that meeting. So yeah, yeah sometimes I get to restructure a little bit, but uh, not I'm, I'm not overcommitted. Um, but I will say I do often overbook sometimes. So you know, uh, and Mariah is really good at helping me not overbook. So, you know, someone will be like, hey, do you want to do something on this date? And I'm like, yeah, because, you know, the seven, the Enneagram seven in me. Give me more. The glutton for fun and experiences. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And Mariah's like, hey, um, you are going to be in Nashville that weekend. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) No, never mind. I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's a few things I've done to help with my own calendar clutter, because I suffered a lot from calendar clutter. During my corporate days specifically, I would have virtually every 15 minute block Mm just blocked out. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was keeping me, what, organized. Mm. Just like my basement was organized with lots of bins and boxes and labels. And mm. I was doing the same thing with my calendar. It was just a 2D version of my basement, basically. Yeah. A few things that have helped me. Number one, most important, saying no much more frequently. Mm-hmm. Our friend Derek Sivers talks about hell yeah or no. Mm-hmm. And if a decision is not a hell yeah, then I say hell no to it. Mm. The other thing that's helped me out a lot is something similar to what you do. I just, at each, each night before I go to bed, I will check my calendar mm-hmm. before we do something called, that we call setting the stage. So mm-hmm. at, at home, we'd spend five or 10, no more than 15 minutes. Usually it's three, four, five minutes just resetting the house. Mm-hmm. If there's anything that's left out, we put it up and it sets our next morning up for a stress-free, calm morning. Mm -hmm. But then I also know if I have to get up early for something, you know, if we're going to record a podcast that day or whatever it might Mm be, if I need to leave the house early, that way I know the night before so I can plan for it. I'm not, I'm not blindsided by it. If I don't do that, there was a time a few months ago where I didn't do that. I forgot to do it that night. And of Mm. course, what happened? I missed the interview that you and I were supposed to do. But then I paid you back uh, the following month (laughs) when I forgot the the other interview. (laughs) Yeah, Um, we're just good friends like that. That's right. We just, yeah, thank God there's two of us. (laughs) Oh, the irony. The irony of all of it. Oh, yeah. Number six on the minimalism checklist, unplug everything. You don't have to unplug forever, but scheduling regular screen-free time can restore your perspective and bring more joy to your simple life. I guess a screenless Saturday every once in a while or every Saturday. Yeah. It's, it's useful. It's great. It's peaceful. You know, Bex and I just moved into this new home with Ella, and I've been surprised by how not compelled Ella is to get on her tablet anymore mm-hmm. because she has access to more nature. She has access to arts and crafts. We have her right now in this uh, clay pottery camp that she really enjoys going to. Mm. And so it's apparent to me that our screens are often a pacifier Mm. for kids and for adults. We Mm. pacify ourselves with our glowing screens. On the Maxwell episode this week, someone asked a question about, about, well, you don't have internet at home. How do you, what do you do with your time then? (laughs) Which is an interesting question, but I'll, I'll talk to you about some of the things that I do. No one would have asked that like 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Even 10 years ago, you would have probably gotten full, far fewer requests like that yeah. to explain yourself and how could you possibly survive without it? Well, it's really easy. It's really peaceful. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Number seven, schedule rest. So mm-hmm. this is one thing that if 
you do have calendar clutter, maybe something else that can help you out is scheduling in blocks. And you'll see this on my calendar. Ryan and I share a calendar mm -hmm. and he'll see this on my calendar from time to time where it just says JFM personal time and it's two hours, five hours, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm generally scheduling nothing intentionally. Mm -hmm. Now, I avoid putting anything on my calendar anyway, but there are other times where I just want to block off time and it's JFM quiet time mm -hmm. and that's it. Yeah. So scheduling rest. Yeah. Number eight, make it your own. Simplicity is not a competition. And I think that was early on when you when we stumbled into minimalism, Ryan. You saw all these different minimalists, like the extreme radical minimalism. Oh, man. Here are the 75 things I own. The 100 thing challenge. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Dave Bruno, which is a, a great book. Great book. And he in there is able to illuminate the fact that it's not about the hundred things. Mm -hmm. It's about temporarily depriving yourself to find out what is important, what is clutter, and getting rid of the clutter for him and his family. Yeah. But then we saw even more extreme minimalists like Colin Wright, who owned 52 things. Mm -hmm. And it got down to Nina Yao, who I think at one point owned 15 things. Yeah, it, it did start to become a competition at a certain point. I don't know when, but yeah. Yeah. Um, if it was, if, if, you know, being a minimalist is owning as little as possible, then there are monks who are killing us in the game. <laughs> They're destroying us. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, and so Ryan and I aren't ascetics. We aren't monks. We're not trying to live with nothing. Mm -hmm. In fact, my quality of life would go down considerably if mm -hmm. I lived with nothing. Yeah. The question is, what is appropriate for me? And if it's a competition, mm -hmm. then I may be depriving myself of what's appropriate because, oh my gosh, Ryan doesn't own uh, this bed. And so I, I guess I can't own a bed either, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Or this person doesn't own a couch, so now I'm not allowed to own a couch. Yeah. Or this person doesn't have a coffee kettle, so now I can't own a coffee kettle. Yeah. And now I'm depriving myself of something that would actually add value to my life. Comparison the killer of joy. Amen. And yeah, we got to, yeah. I'll tell you the one thing I own though that like, that, I'm a little um, frustrated that I absolutely need. It is my bed. Because like I've gone camping a couple of times over the last uh, six months. And dude, I, my back is so bad. I didn't realize how bad my back was. Yeah. Until I went camping. And then I wake up the next morning. I'm like, oh my God, like I could do maybe two nights of it. But beyond two nights, like I don't, I don't get good sleep. I hurt in the morning. But there's like this resentment when I lay in my and I even got like the the adjustable bed. Yeah, I'm like, oh man, I'm glad I have this so I can get some good night rest. But I hate that I I need it. Yeah, I absolutely need it anyway. Well, there are a couple more items on the minimalism checklist here. Number nine is remember your relationships. I would simply say love people and use things mm -hmm. because the opposite never works. Number ten, enjoy more and less. More time, more freedom, and more room to breathe. Less stuff and less stress. Less to organize, store, and take care of. Less hassle, less hustle. I dig that. That's from uh, Melissa Wilkins. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. She has a blog as well. We'll put a link to her blog in the show notes. And she has a book called Permission Granted. Ryan, before we get into our questions, I want to talk to you about five questions that I want to ask you. Yes, so I thought this would be appropriate since we're talking about, well, we're talking about the minimalist checklist on this mm -hmm. episode. We're talking about simple ways to simplify. And one of the ways to simplify is to avoid bringing new things in yeah. to our lives mm -hmm. because that can become a problem. If you simplify everything, you let go of everything, but then you just buy everything new and you amass a new hoard over the course mm -hmm. of months or years mm -hmm. because hoarding or clutter doesn't tend to happen overnight. Yeah, It's over a period of time. Well, you know, when you open up space, it's like calling for us to fill it. 
That's right. So it's, yeah, it's very easy to do. So we have this at theminimalists.com. This is five questions to ask before buying. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. And also in here, you can find the these five questions on our website. If you go to theminimalists.com slash wallpaper, you can have them on your phone. So whether you're at the store or getting ready to shop online, you can have it as a desktop wallpaper as well. You can download these five questions. And they're just a nice little reminder before you decide to buy something new. The first question to ask yourself if you're getting ready to buy something new is, can I afford to part with this money? Mm. Here's a hint. If you have to charge it to a credit card, you can't afford it. Amen. Now, that is not an insult. There are many things that I can't afford because I simply don't have the cash for it. Yeah. Now, why don't I want to go into debt for those things? Because maybe I feel like I really want it now or maybe I feel like I even need it right now. Mm. Well... The truth is, I don't want to punish my future self mm-hmm. for my current impulses. Yeah. I don't want to punish my future self. I don't want to borrow from my future in order to placate myself right now. Yeah. The second question to ask is, can I pay the actual cost? Yeah. Ryan, you want to talk about the true cost of an item? Oh, sure. I mean, there's the cost of storing the thing, maintaining the thing, watering the thing, charging the thing, changing the batteries in the thing. Yes, changing the oil in the thing, refueling the thing, repainting the thing, taking care of the thing, protecting the thing. Yeah, there's so many other costs that like we just don't ever think about. Yeah, and so it goes beyond the price tag, right? Mm-hmm. We pay for an item, then we end up paying for it over and over again. The storing of the thing, the worrying about the thing, Mm -hmm. the psychological and emotional costs of our thing Mm -hmm. are immeasurable. So we have to choose really carefully what things we bring into our lives because we can't afford every thing. Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to look at the price and say, yeah, I can afford that. Um, That's quantifiable. But like all those other costs that I mentioned, like that's those are the, the emotional and the psychological costs, like those are really difficult to quantify. So yeah, we've got to be real careful. Yeah. Number three, will it add value to my life? So for me, it must serve a purpose. If I buy something that's going to serve a purpose mm-hmm. or it's going to amplify or enhance my experience of life. Mm-hmm. And if not, I have to be honest with myself and I have to leave it on the shelf. Yeah. Because I- if it's not going to add value to my life for an extended period of time, then it's leaving it at the store is like letting go in advance. Yeah. Tweet that. Tweet that, Professor Sean. Hey, uh, I really like the joy. Does it bring joy? Mm-hmm. And what was it? And or serve a purpose? Is that what yeah. that article was saying? Oh, the article earlier was yeah. talking about whether or not it is, it, it is it's either useful or it's beautiful. Yeah, useful or beautiful. That's what it is. I love that. That's yeah. uh, And you're both, Ryan. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next question for you. Question four. What are the alternatives? In other words, what is, is this the best use of this money, right? Mm. So say I do want to buy a $100 widget because you know me, I love some widgets. You love widgets. I have so many widgets, 13 <laughs> of them. Um, anyway, I have a whole widget collection. Mm. No, if I'm getting ready to buy something and it's 100 bucks, and let's say it is going to add value to my life, mm-hmm. that's not a good enough reason to buy it though. If it's useful or beautiful, great. That's one of the questions, but it's not the only question that I'm asking here. Because if I have $100, 
That is a finite resource. Yeah. Is this the best use of this money? And if not, I'd rather spend that $100 elsewhere. Yeah. It's that old Andy Davis line that we love. Mm-hmm. He has that great song called Good Life. And he said, we struggle to pay rent because jeans are expensive. Yeah. And that perfectly summarizes mm-hmm. our obsession with consumerism. We're forsaking our needs in order to get what we want right now. Yeah. And the fifth and final question to ask before buying something is, can I get by without it for a while? Now, it doesn't mean you have to live without it forever, right? Yeah. We have something in our Minimalist Rulebook over at theminimalists.com slash rulebook. You can download it for free. Of the 16 rules that are in there, there's one that we call the wait for it rule or yeah. the 3030 rule. Yeah. And that basically says, hey, if something costs more than $30, I wait 30 hours to buy it. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that I can't afford it. I have $30 in my pocket. I could buy it right now, right? Mm-hmm. Why do I wait then? Mm-hmm. Well, I wait because maybe if I think about it for a day, I'll realize that that was just an impulse. Yeah. And maybe I'll be just fine or even better without it. Yeah, amen. Ryan, I want to talk to you about two quick ways to save money on every purchase. Okay. So, well, Coupons. The- <laughs> you know what's funny is I don't do coupons. <laughs> I know. And and the reason I don't is because I have found in my own life, I'm not prescribing this to anyone else, mm-hmm. but I have found that in my own life, mm-hmm. if I cut coupons, save coupons, join mm-hmm. rewards or loyalty programs, mm-hmm. by and large, when I do those things, they actually encourage more spending. Of course they do. Yes, they absolutely do. And that's what they're designed to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so I have two quick ways. In Alabama, I want to talk to you about this here in a second as well. So, Professor Sean, make sure her microphone is on. (laughs) (laughs) So, whether it's furniture or appliances or any Mm non-consumables, I the first thing that I will do is I will incorporate the 30-30 rule that we just talked about. Yeah. If it costs more than $30, I'm going to wait at least 30 hours. I'm going to wait for it. And... Sometimes the way that I'll do that is I'll put something in my cart. Uh, if I'm saying I'm shopping somewhere, I want to buy something online. I'll put it in the shopping cart mm-hmm. and then I'll go back to that shopping cart the next day mm. and I'll delete all the items where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't buy that thing. Yeah. And so the 30-30 rule or the wait for it rule mm-hmm. helps me avoid the clutter before it ever enters my front door or shows up on my doorstep. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I do is I've, I'm much more comfortable now buying high quality items used. Sure. I'm going to talk to you in a moment about how I just sold all of my furniture yeah. as we were moving. Yeah. It was this awesome experience. In fact, you know what? We can, we can talk about it right now. And I think it'll be part of this little, little two-step way to save money. Because when Bex and I were moving, my landlord at our apartment in L.A., Mm-hmm. He came in to do his little walkthrough and he says, I have rented hundreds of apartments to hundreds of people. And this is the nicest looking apartment I've seen. Who does your interior design? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, uh, I do. And he's like, what would it cost to like buy all this furniture from you? I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, seriously, if I wanted to buy all of this furniture, everything in here, what would it cost me? And so I'm like, I, I don't know, man. A lot of this. And then I got a little clingy at first, right? Mm-hmm. Because, well, wait a minute. This 
my identity's tied up into my my couch and my my table. Yeah, and you spent so much time like curating all those things. And it's art. And yeah. we're we're going to talk about that on the Maximal episode this week how the furniture that I enjoy the most are also they they double as art pieces. It's form yeah. and function. Absolutely. And I think that's where minimalism really comes into uh helping us simplify our lives. Mm-hmm is the form follows function. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, form follows function, right? Mm-hmm. Quite often the opposite can get us into trouble where we have some uncomfortable things, but they look beautiful, right? right or they yeah. get in the way. Mm-hmm. And so we'll talk about that as well, Ryan, on the private podcast this week. But I'm now much more comfortable buying used things. I'll give you an example here. As, and so as my, my landlord, Kennedy, said, I want to buy everything, I said, sure, I'll put together a list of everything that we have in here. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I don't own a whole lot. So I was able to actually just put together a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. which he was so impressed by. <laughs> I'm like, it's just a, it's just a Google Sheets. It's, everyone has access to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, it's, are, you are the spreadsheet king, though. Ah, uh, thank you. I remember back in the corporate I days. I was concatenating formulas. I very much admired your spreadsheet skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. But I... um. I just put together a very simple spreadsheet. Said, "Hey, here are the here's everything I own, and mm-hmm. here's what it would cost, brand new. Mm-hmm. Now that it's used, here's what I'm willing to sell it to you for." And he was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll buy it." Yeah, and then that twinge came back again, and I realized, like, "Oh no, what? But wait, maybe." And then I realized, "Oh no, here's here's the truth." Mm. Over the last dozen years or so, mm-hmm. I've built up this special superpower. And it's called letting go. Yeah. Amen. And I think that you must be willing to let go of anything to regain everything. Mm -hmm. You could tweet that, Sean. And I think quite often when we cling to something, it prevents us from gaining what we want to gain, doing what we want to do, experience what we want to experience, Mm -hmm. having what we want to have. And then what do we do? We cling tighter, right? I really liked all the furniture that I had. And it was rather appropriate for the home that we lived in for mm-hmm. the last five or so years. But it was less appropriate going into this new sort of forever home. Or in fact, we're, we're going to talk about forever homes on the Maxwell episode. There's a question mm-hmm. about forever homes, mm-hmm. right? And what does that mean exactly? Yeah. But Bex and I found our forever home. And what we realized is like some of these things wouldn't actually be appropriate. We'd be cramming them into this mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. And because we don't own much, we'll slowly, slowly populate the new space over the course of the next year or two until it feels right for us. Yeah. And so here's the second way to save money on every purchase. We talked about the 30-30 rule. The other way is to buy things used. Now, the two places that I I go, Facebook Marketplace, Mm -hmm. and I just found this um, new Gucci um, coffee table, which are really expensive if Mm. you buy them new. Mm. Uh, He was an American designer back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And it's a piece of art. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful table. Mm -hmm. But it's thousands of dollars if you buy it new. Yeah. And I found it on Facebook Marketplace for a few hundred bucks. Nice. Two scratches on it. Mm, which gave, Patina. Yeah, there's some character to it, right? Oh, yeah. We'll talk about it, uh, I think, in the Maximal, the Rick Owens video. Oh, yes. But I love it. Like, he's going through all... He's So he's a designer, and he's going through his home, uh, his office specifically. He was like, you know, I, I moved in here like this. Um, I haven't painted anything. I haven't refinished anything. He's like, these little dents and scratches. He's like, I love it. I love the patina. <laughs> I'm, yes. like, I'm like, there is a charm to it. I mean, there is... Dude, the... um, Oh, I forget his name. And Ohio famous 
famous furniture maker, uh, something T's David T. Smith, I think. Okay. Um, but uh, I know people that worked for him, and like you should see the contraptions that they have, the tools that they have to create patina on this furniture. I mean, you're talking about like a club with like nails and screws and like just and they just sit there and they just they don't beat the <laughs> hell out of it, but like they sit there and they like add patina to it a little bit here, a little bit there, and yeah, or like um, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. They're, they've really come up with some unique things to create this faux patina. It sounds like one of those anger rooms, but a very light <laughs> right. version of that. <laughs> yeah, have you got? I think you've gone to one of those, haven't you? No, I, you know, no, no, I haven't. Has an escape room ever turned into one of those for you? Where you just start <laughs> hitting a room? Yeah. No, dude. No, but it's just funny because I remember when I was a kid, I would get so mad that um, I remember it, I remember um, fantasizing about anger rooms. Mm. And it's just funny how like now they're actually a thing. They are. You have to put yeah. on like protective gear and eyewear and then you have like a bat or a chainsaw. I don't know what you do to go into the room. Yeah. And we won't put a link to it in the show notes. No, we won't. But it sounds <laughs> like a lot of fun. Hey, with the right attitude, any room can be an anger room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the same true same is true with a calm room. Yeah, or a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were uh, Bex and I, my wife. Uh, we were talking on her podcast, which is called How to Love, <laughs> and uh, I was talking about how I have my dream house now. So I I have this this back house basically. It's mm. an old converted garage. It's a small studio apartment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and it just has a bed and a table and that's all I need and she goes a bathroom too right and I said oh it has a bathroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway um, Ryan the other place I look besides Facebook Marketplace is Craigslist is still uh, a solid place to look for now this is part of the hunt you have to know what you're looking for I'll never get on Facebook Marketplace and browse yeah I would discourage myself from doing that yeah because I don't browse for anything. I'm not looking for... If I know I want something in particular, like that table, mm-hmm. then I went searching for it. Yeah. Now, it may not be available right now, but then what do I do? I wait for it mm. back to the first way yeah. to save money. Yeah. Because guess what? I can get by without a coffee table. Amen. And I just set my coffee on the floor. I still have a coffee cup. <laughs> and a coffee floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and and so it's it's fine to just wait for it. Craigslist, another place. Now, Malabama, you've been selling some of our things for the studio here. We've had some carryover studio stuff or some things that just didn't work for our space. What are some of those websites that we've been using to sell some other things that are outside? I haven't used them personally, but I want to talk to you about those. Yeah. So there's four that I cycle through. I use OfferUp as well as Facebook Marketplace. Mm-hmm. I found that those are really user-friendly and those are great for local um, pickups. What's OfferUp? Exactly. Uh, so OfferUp is essentially the same thing as Facebook. Facebook Marketplace. It's an app that is uh, designed for you to find gently used, open box, you know, thoroughly Mm. used kind of items in the same way that you would search for something on Facebook Marketplace. Mm. They both offer their own shipping methods, but I've personally found them to be really good if you're trying to sell and meet someone in your area, like at a local park or at somebody's house and things like that. Mm. You get to choose that to your comfort level of, I'd rather meet someone uh, at, a, at a separate location or just have them come to me kind gotcha. of thing. Gotcha. So I do like both of those. They're cool. very user-friendly. They're really great for communication. The other one we use is eBay. I don't enjoy it as much, but it is much better if you're looking to ship items. I yeah. found a lot of people that are on eBay are expecting to have something ordered and shipped to them. Mm-hmm. Not as successful with local pickup, but still a good resource to have. Yeah. 
And a niche one that we use is Reverb, like reverberation. Mm -hmm. Reverb.com is really great for musical instruments. I used to work in music retail, and this was one of the best places that we would recommend people get most bang for their buck. Mm. They're reselling a guitar or a microphone. For us, we're doing some recording equipment. So that's the market for that kind of materials. That's people that are specifically looking for certain model numbers or brands of equipment, things like that. Wow. And is there one that you've had more success selling things on? I I would say OfferUp has been the, the most productive of the apps. Facebook Marketplace gets a lot of inquiries. They uh-huh. have a preset to where you can press a button and say, hey, is this still available? Yeah. You can just kind of establish that conversation but a lot of them end up being dead ends. I think to your point, because of a lot of people are going on there and just browsing and they go, ooh, that looks nice. I want to mm. see that. And they press the inquiry and they never come back again. A lot of ghosting going mm. on yes, there. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Now, Alabama, if you are buying something from one of these sites, do you find one is the most user-friendly? The one that you, if, if you are looking for a particular item, is there one site that you gravitate toward? I would say that I gravitate towards OfferUp. I have used eBay in the past. I've used that for open box electronics, like like gently used phones and mm. things like that. Mm. But the thing I like about OfferUp is it allows you to rank the person that is doing the buying and oh, doing wow. the selling, kind of similar to Airbnb. So you mm. are ranked by how, you know, how well were you on time? Mm-hmm. How friendly were you? How communicative were you? how reasonable and things like that. So you can get a snapshot of the person that you're potentially going to be doing a sale with or selling to to see, hey, are they reputable about showing up on time? Are they really good at communicating? Or do they kind of flake off on you a little bit? Or are they not super nice to to bargain with and, and haggle with? I really like that feature because you you get an idea of the kind of person that you're going to meet up with and you you have those expectations at the front. Man, I know this sounds like Black Mirror-ish, but I wish everyone had a customer rating. And you could just like go to someone's <laughs> profile and it, t- and it told you like, how good of a customer are they? This would have helped so much in the retail space. I have this like, oh, this is probably not a good, uh, a g- good idea, meaning like, like morally good. Um, so I was at, I was in Chicago. Mariah's sister was uh, waiting on some tables and there was just this one particular table that was just like, talking down entitlement um just intentionally going out of their way to be a crappy customer mm. and i'm like i want to own a restaurant one day just so i can kick people out who act like that <laughs> or charge them more <laughs> What's like that? charge them more right exactly yeah like you you can either pay twice as much or leave but but the, <laughs> but you can't you cannot treat my staff that way yeah yeah, yeah. well well no i you, i guess you wouldn't want them to at any price to treat your staff that way. Of course. If someone yeah. came in here with a million dollars and they're like, hey, we want to be mean to Mallory. Right. Yeah, I'd tell them to kick rocks. I'd be like, Mallory, oh, we'll split thank it. you. <laughs> we'll split it. <laughs> I'll make a bunch of bag. That's fine. It's sh- <laughs> <laughs> the strangest indecent proposal. We were like, Here's a million dollars to be mean. To be mean. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. To, the, to the disembodied voice you're, on your podcast. But, Why? <laughs> but you're right, though. Like, there's no price that, yeah, there would be. But, uh, well, I do want to rate you real quick since we're talking about this, All right, Ryan. you rate me. <laughs> you go first. So if you were rate me as, as a... As, as a, a customer? Or a friend or whatever. I will give you... <laughs> 4.99 stars. Oh, out of Because no one's perfect. Out of out of 5 stars. Oh, yeah. I thought and, it was out of 100. No, no, 4.99 stars and it's only <laughs> to mess with your OCD. Or no, I should have ranked you 5.01. That's what I'll rank you. 5.01. <laughs> I mean, I would uh, on a 10 out of 10 scale, Ryan. I, personality-wise, you're a 10. <laughs> Looks-wise, you're a I am an adjustable six. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I would say let's move on to our callers, but uh, we're running out of time here. Although if you do have a question or comment for our podcast, give us a call 406-219-7839 or email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. Now, uh, we have a question from Andrea, but we're going to save that hopefully for the maximal episode this week. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text those questions, comments, smart remarks to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Now, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We'll put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our Minimal Maxims in one place. Thanks to our good friend, Social Jess. She set up minimalmaxims.com for you. What a now, good idea. I remember she came to us with that idea. I'm like, oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> it's great because now all the pithy... And it's real simple. You just refresh the site. There's just one pithy Minimal Maxim. And... Ryan can attest to this. Doing minimal maxims every week, just one, Dude. is way more difficult than one might think. Yeah. Because they end up sounding like faux fundities if right. you're not careful. Right. A faux profundity. And and so Ryan and I are <laughs> often like going, we're dueling with our b- before the podcast with our minimal maxims because we want them to be strong and and well, tweetable, right? And yeah. I will tell you this, Ryan, uh, t- this week's question is about minimalist architecture. So I have a, a pithy answer for mm-hmm. you there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times these minimal maxims, they, you know, you go to the website, you can just copy and share it with, you know, the friends, family, whomever, and also yeah. the show notes. If you get them sent right to your inbox every Tuesday, mm-hmm. or if you're, if you text us that, that phone number you gave earlier, 937-202-4654, mm-hmm. every Monday we'll send you a Monday morning minimal maxim. We should have a faux fundity segment. Oh, where we're just like <laughs> making fun of our own maxims. Yeah, I'm really good at faux fundities. Yeah, like um, uh, uh, if you've gone too far, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> what is don't, it? Don't tweet that podcast, what Sean. What does it mean? <laughs> Dude, it is funny though because I'll go to minimalmaxims.com sometimes and refresh the screen just to kind of look at some tweets. Yeah. Or look at some, uh, uh, you know, pithy answers, especially if I'm having trouble coming up with a pithy answer. Mm-hmm. I'll just, you know, kind of get the spirit of some of them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, or someone will tweet at me and sometimes I'm like, did I say that? I guess I, I mean, they're quoting me. I must have said it. I'm like, <laughs> man, that's good. <laughs> well, I, I went there about a year ago and Jess and I cleaned it up because we had over a thousand, thousand minimal maxims mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. And I went through and I'm like, some of these don't hold up. Yeah. And so I removed probably 600 of them. Oh, wow. And there, there's probably close to a thousand there now at this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. again. But there's a lot of ways to simplify your life. And these are just little just little reminders. And we'll start your week off each Monday with a Monday morning minimal maximum. Just send us a text. You can send, uh, Those texts go to both of our phones, by the way. We respond to as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. We're going to respond to Olesia on the podcast. Where I live doesn't have any general plan for the city, so everyone's designs clash, and it looks ugly. Do we need minimalist architecture or just better taste? So I don't want to prescribe minimalist architecture to everyone. Yeah. Now, I would be in complete bliss, right? (laughs) I'm a big fan of, like, brutalism. In fact, when we were finding our new home... Bex is more sort of wabi-sabi, which is the Japanese art of imperfection. Mm. It's like having one small imperfection somewhere that adds a 
a human element to mm. an otherwise more pristine space. I'm a bigger fan of like brutalism, like, mm. like pretty extreme minimalism with respect to architecture. Yeah. But if I were to force that onto everyone, it'd be like you forcing art deco onto everyone or those weird houses, like the turrets uh, on houses and, yeah. or Victorian style, whatever it is. You don't want to force anything onto everyone, right? right? And that's what regulations do. However, sometimes when you go to a place and it seems really calm, I think about Sedona. Have you been to Sedona? Oh, yeah. And Couple so times. they don't allow, like, I think it's the only McDonald's in the world that doesn't have the golden arches. Yeah. They have, like, this green arch that conforms to their city planning. There is a, yeah, there's a regulated aesthetic mm-hmm. in Sedona, yeah. And when we, you and I were back in retail, Ryan... I always advocated for more signage and I was part of the problem. I was making cityscapes uglier with Mm. giant pylon signs, billboards, Mm -hmm. more, more, more signage. We need customers to see where our store is. We need banners out front. We need the dancing, waving man, right? (laughs) That way we know that people know where we are. But of course, that adds to the chaos. I was adding to the chaos. And for that, everyone in Dayton, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, Northern Kentucky, Indiana, I apologize. Mm. Here's, my, here's my pithy answer for you, though, Ryan. Complexity is ugly. Simplicity is beautiful. Now, you don't need minimalist architecture mm-hmm. in order to simplify You can simplify from wherever you are. Mm -hmm. You can have the craziest, most extreme, radical, busy architecture and begin to simplify from there. You can have the most full, cluttered home and you can begin to simplify from there. And as Mm -hmm. you simplify, you start making space, not space for more things, but space for more calm, for more peace, more tranquility. Mm Mm-hmm. My pithy answer is this. A madhouse is built with bricks of expectations. Mm. Now, there's something we say that I like. I, I love it, man. I think it's one of the most profound things we've come, we've come up with, which is low expectations, high standards. And you would think when you say low expectations, yeah, people often think like, well, you know, like, I mean, so I just shouldn't care about the people I bring into my life or, you know, I shouldn't have these expectations. It's like, no, you shouldn't have expectations that good people are going to come into your life, but have high standards of the people you do bring in your life and the the home that you have. But the thing is, is if I throw my expectations on Mallory, hey, Mallory, I need you to wear these other things uh, because whatever you're wearing, by the way, lovely outfit. So I I don't mean that at all. No worries. Um, Except for those socks, <laughs> right? Deal with it. They need, yeah. No, actually, those are cool socks. Um, but 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 let's say through that on her, it's like f- two things. One, um, I'm gonna make Mallory do something that probably goes against her standards, and B, I'm, and two, I'm like creating this misery for myself when she doesn't, or the opportunity to be miserable when she doesn't eat, uh, meet my my expectations. So yeah, lower lower your expectations, raise your standards, because yeah, you're gonna be miserable if you're just hurling your expectations on everyone. I love what you're saying there too, because in a way, whenever we have an expectation, that's the madhouse part of your mm-hmm. your minimal maxim here. We're punishing ourselves for other people's decisions. Right. And so if I was serious about the socks, I actually, um, you know, six out of 10, but <laughs> that's another joke. Calm down, people. Um, all right. So 10 out of 10. <laughs> We, yeah, we got to make sure that our audience knows we're joking. We're Jordan, not, yeah. bl- blur out her feet on the podcast, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, um, if I were now upset 
mm-hmm. about her socks, mm-hmm. I'm punishing myself for her decision. Yes. Now, it doesn't mean that I can't have a certain standard where it's like, hey, no, everyone in here has to wear shirts. Okay. Sure. If Professor Sean shows up without a shirt as hunky as he is, <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to impose that onto anyone else. I'm really glad you just told me that because <laughs> I have plans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everyone needs to wear a shirt except hunky Professor Sean. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so um, I don't want to punish myself. And right. the best way to punish yourself is mm-hmm. to have expectations of yeah. others. And there are, you, you know, can tweet I, that too. I, I, yeah, I like that you're bringing this up because, yes, we do expect everyone to come to the studio fully clothed. So, I mean, th- that is it, but that's a low expectation. Yes. Um, how they're clothed is that would be a little bit higher of an expectation, which again would lead to a madhouse. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Ryan, I got four things for right here, right now. Usually, I say here's one thing that's going on in the life of oh the goodness. minimalist. We're so we're so minimal. This is. Uh, <laughs> Extreme minimalism. Dude, the, the, uh, when we were flying uh, to Nashville for the Dave Ramsey stuff, the stewardess, she was like looking at your laptop. She was like, oh, and I like went to the bathroom. She was like, oh, I saw you guys have a podcast. What's your podcast about? So then I explained to her the minimalist and, you know, so That was about so 45 minutes. Yeah. No, I need to start saying that. Um, <laughs> she was like, wait, and you live in LA? I'm like, yeah. She was like, how does that sync up with your philosophy? Being minimalists and living in Los Angeles. I'm like, ma'am, everything we do is steeped in irony. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what we, no matter what we do, like it's, yeah, everything we do is steeped in irony. There's um, a giant blanket of irony that I just wrap myself in each night. Yes. <laughs> the yes. first thing right here, right now, the final days of minimalism. I waited, well, we sent this out. If you're on our email list, you already know about this, but every chapter has an ending, Ryan. Mm. And, well, on June 15th, 2022, yeah. Minimalism, our first documentary. Minimalism, a documentary about the important things. Mm-hmm. Exited Netflix. Yeah. And I want to read this essay really quick. It's a short one. We'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. It's called The Final Days of Minimalism. This particular chapter began nine years ago in late 2013 when the minimalists teamed up with director Matthew Vella and our friends over at Spire Media mm-hmm. as well, uh, Dave and Jeff and Marla at the time. Um, they, uh, they helped us with the film, right? Mm-hmm. And so we teamed up with Matthew Vella to film our first documentary. We didn't know what it would be called, who would be in it, or how it might influence the world. We simply piled into Ryan's Toyota Corolla and filmed a thousand hours of tour stops, minimalist interviews, and sunset time lapses. (laughs) Inside joke. It took two years, but after nine grueling iterations, we finally produced a film we were proud of. Yet Netflix and every other streamer turned us down. So... We released Minimalism independently in 400 theaters in the U.S., Canada, Australia. I would not do that again, yeah, but that's, that's a different conversation. Yeah, it sounds impressive, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was the number one indie doc that year, which was fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. And that, talk about that here. So to our astonishment, it was the number one indie doc of 2016. It also won awards at several film festivals. We returned to Netflix with these triumphs, but the film was, quote, too different. It didn't conform to a formula. So they rejected us again. In fact, everyone rejected us. But we didn't let that stop us. We released Minimalism online in 2016. Again, we were surprised. It climbed to number one on iTunes and stayed there for weeks that summer. 
This online success restarted the conversations with Netflix. They soon licensed the North American rights through a distributor. Minimalism debuted on their platform on December 15th, 2016. The timing was perfect. At that moment, Netflix was the dominant streaming service, and many people were looking to simplify, especially during the consumeristic holiday season. The kindling we provided allowed Netflix to spark a conflagration. Hundreds of media outlets and dozens of famous people shared the dock with their audiences. Tens of millions of people watched. Minimalism, the movie, and the movement trended for months. It's so funny, if you go look at Google Trends now uh, and you type in the word minimalism, you look at December 2016. Through the roof, huh? Yeah, yeah. it's just, I mean, this giant apex there. Wow. And then the years that, that followed that as well. It's just this giant search for minimalism. Mm. And it was because of our film and Netflix, sort of that giant conflagration there, right? Mm. And so the, tr- the film tapped into the cultural zeitgeist, exposing a general dissatisfaction with materialism. The attention and impact were overwhelming, so much so that Netflix licensed the worldwide streaming rights in March 2017, setting 190 countries ablaze with simple living. Minimalism performed so well that in 2019, Netflix renewed the worldwide rights for three more years. They also purchased our second doc, The Minimalists, Less Is Now, as a Netflix original. But now, as those three years come to an end, so does our agreement with Netflix. This is a bittersweet moment. Even though Less Is Now will be featured at the Emmys later this month, we're actually uh, recording this a couple days before the Emmys, so we mm-hmm. don't know what the outcome is. But by the time you listen to this or watch this, you will know. Mm-hmm. We weren't able to come to an agreement with Netflix as hard as we tried to keep minimalism on their platform. Yeah, I think this is happening with a lot of streaming services right now. There are layoffs. There are certain things that are happening. It's not unique to Netflix. Netflix is the biggest streamer out there still. But as we know, the stock market has tanked significantly. And unfortunately, Netflix at this time, I'm sure they'll be fine long term. But right Mm -hmm. now, their their stock price is down pretty substantially. And so Mm -hmm. working out anything with them uh, has proven to be a bit more difficult this year. Uh, Not that it hasn't been great because it has. Ergo... You had a few days left to watch Minimalism one last time on Netflix. Well, you don't anymore. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, we'll tell you why here in a second. Now, let's be clear. This isn't a bad thing. Mm -mm. It's merely the end of a chapter and the beginning of a new one. We'll eventually seek a new streaming home for Minimalism. But in the meantime, you'll be able to watch it on demand via iTunes, Amazon, or Vimeo. You can find all the links at minimalismfilm.com. Vimeo is the best, though. Yeah, the Vimeo version has six hours of bonus interviews. Yeah. And so cool. it's like 20 extra videos you get there yeah. for the same price as if you were to buy it from iTunes or wherever else. Yeah. This is a chance for us, though, to say big thanks to Netflix yeah. and to everyone, the tens of millions of people who watched the film Amen. the last six years. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a, yeah. This is not a knock on Netflix. We really are grateful that they, yeah, gave us these opportunities. Yeah, you changed our lives and you Mm -hmm. changed the lives of millions of people. Yeah. And we are so grateful for that. I mean, in fact, the film changed a lot of lives. Mm -hmm. But you all, Netflix and the people who watch, changed our lives just as much. I never thought we'd be doing all this with the podcast. We originally started this podcast to promote the film. It ends up that the film promoted the podcast. (laughs) It was a really beautiful accident. Nothing works out how we... 
think it's going to work out. People, I don't know why, but the big question that I get asked all the time that um, I need to figure out a way to process it internally because it bugs me every time someone asks me, so where are the minimalists in 10 years? <laughs> where, where, what, are you, what are you guys going to do with five years from now? It's like, I don't, even if I had a goal, like it's, it's going to be completely different in 10 years. Yeah, I mean, the honest answer to that, and I think we need to become more comfortable with this in general is I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know were three of the most freeing words in the English language. Amen, yeah. Because I don't need to cling to the answer. Yeah. I even do this with parenting now. Mm -hmm. I was talking to Bex about this on how to love. Like, Ella, our daughter, doesn't get a whole lot of answers from me, but she gets a lot of questions from me (laughs) because it's so much more important when you're teaching someone to not give them the answer, but to allow them to find the answer. Do you think I should start asking the question back to whoever asks me that and be like, where are you going to be in 10 years? No, no. (laughs) No, I mean, to me, like, it's not an interesting question, right? No. And so to me, it's not even a real serious question. No. Because none of us know where we're going to be. And so I never answer answer an unserious question with something serious. Jordan. I have the uh, answer that you need to say. I'm ready. Is where the minimalists in 10 years? Well, 10 years older. (laughs) Hey, yes. (laughs) You're a genius. You're a genius. So by the way, this does not affect our other film that's on Netflix. It Mm. it should be streaming in perpetuity. It's Mm -hmm. worldwide. It's called The Minimalists Less Is Now. So if you want something else to share with your friends and family who have Netflix, netflix netflix.com slash The Minimalists takes you right there. I got a few more things right here, right now, Ryan. I want to go over with you <laughs> oh, that's real right. quick. That was just one of four. <laughs> yeah, these, these are much quicker. A brand new month is here. It is July. We have 100 free local meetup groups in 100 different cities. We also yeah. have an online city that meets online. Mm-hmm. If you want to connect with people locally in your area, minimalist.org. They're free local meetup groups. We're not in charge of them. We've handed them over to you. Mm -hmm. And we want you to talk about different types of clutter and easing the clutter. What are we talking about this month, Ryan? We're talking about uh, finances, minimalist finances. Um, Yeah, financial clutter. Yeah, financial clutter. So yeah, uh, there's no agenda with these. The only thing is, is like we we give a topic and, um, you know, probably the, the, the groups are going to cover that, but not necessarily. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is think of this as uh, meetup.com for minimalists. Yeah. Like that's kind of what it is. Or aspiring minimalists, people who yeah. want to simplify their lives. You don't have to be a minimalist to join minimalist.org. Mm-hmm. These are just people who are interested in simplifying, whether it's yeah. simplifying your career, you're simplifying your finances, you're simplifying your stuff, you're simplifying your relationships. You can find other open-minded people in your area where you discuss things online and then you meet locally occasionally. Yeah. Speaking of meeting locally, Ryan and I and our good friend TK Coleman, we just started something called the Sunday Symposium. Heck yeah. Now, I'm a little hesitant to even mention that on this podcast because by the time this comes out, the first one is sold out, almost certainly. But mm. you can get on the wait list over there. Yeah. So it's only limited to the first 200 people. Yeah. It's a free event or you can donate to help us pay for the venue mm-hmm. and to pay the staff there as well. Sundaysymposium.com. It's a simple gathering for simple people. 
all beliefs, ideologies are welcome. Mm-hmm. All non-beliefs are welcome as well. All ages. You can find all the details over at sundaysymposium.com. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. This is happening in Los Angeles. So if you're anywhere in Southern California, and we're going to try and turn this into a regular thing. Maybe it's a monthly meetup where we're all getting together. We'll have a talk. We'll have special guests. We might even have some special secret musical guests mm-hmm. uh, there as well. Mm-hmm. We'll do a discussion. We'll do audience Q&A. In each one's going to be a little bit different. We're going to build this local community. We're going to go small. It's not about reaching the most people. It's about going deep with this community of people locally. If you'd like to join us, you can get on the wait list over at sundaysymposium.com. And finally, real quick, uh, how to write better. I teach this class two or three times a year. It is opening up this weekend, 48 hours only, first 100 students over at howtowritebetter.org. Myself and uh, Professor Sean, we are, uh, well, we'll teach you how to write better. How to write good words. <laughs> we were originally going to call it how to write gooder, like sort of ironically. Yeah, but it would have been funny to like you, me, and Professor Sean. That's it. <laughs> and so it's a four-week online class First hundred students only, howtowritebetter.org if you're interested. Or you can go over there and you can just download the free ebook as well. It's called 15 Ways to Write Better. Alabama, what else you got for us? Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Hi, this is Molly from Salt Lake City. I'm calling with a tip regarding managing the collecting impulse. One strategy I have used is to make friends with people who share the same hobby or collection and do regular exchanges with them. So you get the thrill of having a new item, but then when the thrill wears off, you just return it to the other owner and you can get another new item when you get it back. Hi, this is Tara from Seattle, and I was just calling you um, in reference to Molly when she was talking about her trophies. Uh, one cool thing that I did was I took all the little nameplates off and I kept them all like in a scrapbook. Um, you could do that or you could even put them in a shadow box with your medals or just set them up and take a really cool picture and then keep that. Otherwise, chuck the trophies and, you know, just enjoy the memories, but let them go. All right, y'all, before we get into our added value segment this week, here is a thoughtful comment from one of our lovely Patreon subscribers. Sarah says, new patron here. I'm a huge fan. I found your podcast through the pandemic and found immense value in it. Thank you. I replaced my YouTube premium subscription with your private podcast. I'm listening to the private archives right now while grounding outside with a cup of coffee. I love it. We've gotten similar messages that I'm getting so much more value. You know, I'm spending five bucks or 10 bucks if you want the video version of the private podcast, but five bucks is like, I'm getting so much more value from this than I would from AMC plus or CNN plus, which RIP. Low blow, Milburn. (laughs) Too soon? (laughs) Too soon. Hulu, Netflix, whatever. If you need to cancel a subscription (laughs) because you want more of less, you can join us over at patreon.com slash The Minimalist and thousands of other open-minded minimizers like you. For our added value segment this week, let's listen to a track from 070 Shake. She's got this new album out, Ryan. The album is called You Can't Kill Me. Mm. And the song is called Body. And it's, I don't even know how to describe it because there's a hip-hop vibe to it. But it's sort of like this surreal pop-punk music. Mm. And the way that I've summed it up is basically like if there was a female radio head, 
that made an album with Talib Kweli and Sade. I mean, no one's Sade, let's be honest here, but it's stunning. So enjoy the song. It's called Body by 070 Shake. By the way, Ryan, we got a bunch more surprise questions this week, like how does minimalist architecture influence more intentional living? What should I look for if I want to buy my forever home? When does minimalist architecture become brutalist? And how does it affect how we interact with public spaces? Plus a million more questions about minimalist architecture for The Minimalist. And if you want to hear all that, check out The Minimalist private podcast this week. Visit patreon.com slash The Minimalists or click the link in the description to subscribe. You'll also get a, a personal link so that our weekly private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. And you get access to all of The Minimalism Archives patreon.com slash the minimalists you can follow the minimalists on tiktok instagram facebook or twitter at the minimalist if you want our podcast show notes in your inbox sign up for our email list over at the minimalists.com on behalf of ryan nicodemus malabama podcast sean jordan no more professor sean social jess danny unknown post-production peter emma the immigrant not a very minimalist team you guys got here what is going on (laughs) and the rest of our team like jeff and dave and tk yada 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 thanks so many of you (laughs) ryan it used to be so simple roll the credits (laughs) (laughs) my name is joshua fields milburn if you leave here today with just one message please let it be this Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Never consider I should just have on your body. Never consider I forget about your body. body.